This is a Be Groovy or Leave production. Head to BeGroovyOrLeave.com to discover the best in new music. Now on with your show. Hello everybody, welcome to this episode of Life on Music, episode number two. I just want to thank everyone who listened to the first episode last week. I hope you all enjoyed it and I hope you continue enjoying the episodes into the future, including this one of course. This week we have Tiani, who is a singer-songwriter from Sydney, who put out her debut EP, Consistently Inconsistent, earlier this year, and i got to tell you, it's a good listen. I would definitely recommend it. But let's jump into the episode with Tiani. Welcome to the show, Tiani. How are you doing today? Hello. Uh, yeah, I'm really good. Uh, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. How's the day so far? Um, yeah, uh, it's been pretty chill, really. I went to the post office this morning and sent off my first like international merch order, which was pretty cool. Very cool. To uh, where did you send it? Uh, to New Zealand. So Our yeah, lovely neighbours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just across the road, but still, still exciting. You could have just walked it there, but. <laughs> went to the went to the post office. Went to the post office. Thought I'd try to make it formal. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, so, do you have many international followers, listeners? Uh, yeah. So, with Spotify for artists, I can actually track where people are listening from, uh, and it's so random because a whopping like twenty percent of my followers are in Germany, which right. is so crazy and. I guess like one of the best things about having music be digital is people all around the world can listen, which is so cool. Yeah, I've, I've had people message me before from like France and America and it's crazy to me that people over there are listening to my music, but I'm very, very happy about it. No, it's heaps dope. Do you know any German people? I have one friend who I like randomly met one random night out and then invited her to a gig. And she came and she loved my music and then we became really good friends and she's gone back home. So, But I asked her if it's her that's been spreading my music and she said it's not. So who knows? Not a true friend though, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I love you. I love you, Lexa. (laughs) Shout out to Lexa. Yeah. (laughs) I suppose where where we should start is I kind of want to get to know people's past with music, how they... um, came to make the kind of music they make. So um, you grew up in Canberra, was it? Yeah, yeah. What was the, what's the kind of music scene like in Canberra? Yeah, so I actually grew up on a farm just on the outskirts of Canberra. Uh, so I was like kind of rural New South Wales but still quite close to Canberra. Mm-hmm. And so because of that I was kind of brought up on like country, singer-songwriter, folk kind of music, like the likes of Paul Kelly and Missy Higgins. Right on. Um, yeah, just brought up with that. And I guess for me that really inspired and grew my love for lyricism because all the artists that my family played me were all, yeah, amazing uh, 
lyricists themselves, you know, every, every song of Paul Kelly's and Missy Higgins, they all tell a story. They're all storytellers, not just crazy talented musicians. So I definitely was inspired by that. And was that the kind of music you were making starting out? Yeah, um, actually, when I lived back home, my sound was very, very different to what it is now. Like back on the farm, uh, I used to write on the piano more so. So my songs were kind of more like folk pop ballads, I guess. And then I got my first guitar when I was 11. My mom brought it for me. It was bright pink and it was $30 from Aldi and I still have it. And yeah, after I got my guitar, you know, kind of the songs kind of had more rhythm to them. And then I moved to Sydney and I guess I was living this kind of shallow life with my grandma back home and moving to Sydney, like opened my eyes and changed my whole sound to be quite grungier and rockier. And I bought my first electric guitar, like three years ago and that completely changed the whole sound and inspired that heavier element too. Right. What is it, I guess maybe it's just a tonal thing, but what is it about the electric that kind of makes you write a bit heavier kind of stuff? That's a really good question. Um, Maybe it's just the fact that I can like turn the amp up really loud (laughs) and just like (laughs) slam it. (laughs) Just like, you know, if you're feeling angry, it's just like, oh, and that, you know, that volume up and uh, like I have a distortion pedal, which really helps like that grunge kind of vibe too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, So what age was it when you started? So you started off in piano. What age did you start learning? Um, I started learning piano when I was five. Right. Yeah. And was it kind of, you were doing, were you doing the, the grades and things like that? I was really lucky in that I did like two grades of piano uh-huh. and then I was like, this sucks, you know, I yes. want to play what I love. And my family, my piano teacher was so on board with that. Like my family has always been very encouraging of me to just follow my passions and it's never been, music has never, ever been forced on me. My family actually is all basically tone deaf and not musicians. So quite the opposite, you know, it was me wanting to do music. So. So many piano players I meet, even if they're just like a singer, a songwriter kind of thing, they're all just like crazy classical piano players. Wow. Yeah. Way of, I don't know, I don't know, way above way above the skill level that they would use in pop music. Yeah, so I I guess like I'm kind of a bit annoyed at myself because I kind of realised actually I don't need to be that good to do what I want to do. Like you just need to learn the basics really to write a good rock song. Yeah, for sure. And were, were you always writing songs even back in your younger days? Yeah, I was. Like it sounds a bit douchey but I would say like I've always been writing music like ever since I could basically. (laughs) I feel like I'm the only songwriter I know that hasn't been writing since I was five years old. Oh yeah. I was like 18 or something when I started. That's so interesting. And it was just like out of necessity. I was studying music and that was an assignment. I had to write like five songs in whatever, a few months, and it's like when you've never done it, it's just like, jeez. That would have been so weird so <laughs> for like, you to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that everyone's so ahead of the game. <laughs> and I feel like such a fool. 
<laughs> well, for me, like I never really made the decision to write a song. It just happened naturally. You know, like I didn't sit down as a five-year-old and go, today I will write a song. Like, you know, I just be playing the piano and singing and that was a song. Yeah. Was there a point in your life where you realised uh, songwriting and music was for you, like it's something you wanted to do? So, like, growing up, that was always the dream. Like, when I couldn't sleep at night, I'd just close my eyes and picture, like, performing normally at, like, the carols in the domain, like, <laughs> just this, like, massive, massive area with, like, kids on picnic blankets and, like, parents drinking champagne um, and just, like, in this beautiful, like, ball gown. Um yeah, I used to just close my eyes and picture that until I went to sleep like basically every night. But I didn't really ever take myself seriously until I moved to Sydney. Uh, when I finished year 12, my dad said to me, I don't care what you do, but you have to study. <laughs> like <laughs> you have to study something. So I was like, well, I'll just study music because that's something that I know that I love and I know that I'm passionate about. So hence my move to Sydney to try to immerse myself in the music scene there and studied a diploma of music. Um, I felt really uninspired by the course though and figured I could do everything myself without, you know, being qualified in it. No one, no one cares if you're qualified, if you're on stage, you know, they just care about your passion and your talent. <laughs> Not if you know the theory and that kind of stuff. No, for sure. Uh, I think we we went to the same university a uh, couple of years apart. Oh, really? Did you go to JMC? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's crazy. It's um, yeah, and I I kind of feel the same. It's kind of a mixed kind of thing. Maybe you're the same. I know that you've met a fair bit of your band at uni. I remember yeah. discussing that. Yeah. And I'm kind of the same thing where it's like. It's like, oh, was it really worth the money? And it's like, and it's like, I probably wouldn't have been doing what I'm doing if I hadn't gone there. But yeah, I could have definitely learnt it without doing the course. <laughs> yeah, but that's exactly how I feel. I, whether or not I had the motivation, it's such a such a back and forth in my mind that I got to stop thinking about. For sure, no, I'm on the exact same wavelength. Like, you know, I'm a strong believer in fate, and you know, if one thing didn't happen, maybe all these other dominoes like wouldn't fall into place. So you had to do that thing. You know, I try not to regret anything, even if it was a massive amount of money on yeah. a piece of paper. You know, try not to regret anything because it got you to where you are now. So yeah, no, for sure. Um, but God. I'm never, I'm never going to be rich with those uni fees. Yeah, no. <laughs> you mentioned when you moved to Sydney. When was that? Was that a few years ago now? Yeah, the start of 2017. Yeah, yeah, start of 2017. So you, you mentioned that's kind of when you got more into, or maybe not more into, but started writing more of a rock style. Yeah. Um, in those times. How long... Was it between getting to Sydney and doing gigs and having enough songs to to play and getting a band together, all that kind of thing? Yeah, so um, I, I have a lot of originals, um, not 
not all of them are good. (laughs) Um, A lot of them are way too personal to ever really perform without making the person it's about incredibly uncomfortable. So I have to keep those ones to myself. But I, yeah, when I moved to Sydney, I did have like a catalogue of folk songs that I've written back home. So I played my first gig at this super rundown pub in Ultimo and it was like a three-hour set of like covers and originals and bloody killed me. And after that I was like, why do people do this? This sucks. Like, (laughs) you know, and then I played my first like just originals gig a few months after that and that was awesome. Like uh, felt so, so relieved to like my first time performing originals to a crowd that wasn't just my family and friends. Mm Um, and then, yeah, like, like you said before, I did meet, um, Sterling, who's my guitarist at JMC and he was in my band there. And then I met Talia through mutual friends, but she went to JMC as well. And Logan, my drummer, we just kept like running into each other at gigs constantly. Um, yeah, but it wasn't until my first like um, single launch and like headlining show was last May. So that was my first like big proper show, I would say. Yes, sweet. And were the earlier shows, were they band shows or more acoustic kind of thing? Um, A bit of a mix, a bit of a mix, yeah. But, you know, they were like incredibly tiny venues with like, five dollar cover charge or no cover charge and it was yeah it it wasn't it wasn't really about me kind of thing yeah right more of a support role yeah 100 percent. yeah may was my first headlining show and i still cannot believe how bloody successful that show was like <laughs> i'm still like in awe of that night that was an incredible show at oxford art factory yeah Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was the first time I saw you play, I think. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> yeah, I was interviewing you on radio like the day after, I think. Yeah. Or maybe a couple of days after. And I kind of sat through the whole show with some friends. And just because I'm such an awkward guy, I didn't go up and introduce them <laughs> myself until like five minutes before I was leaving. <laughs> and I like, just make it as awkward as I can. Um, yeah, definitely a good show. Um, a story I remember from that show, I think I've told you before um, when I first interviewed you, that I was with some friends who were uh, living in Australia for a while, but they were from Argentina, uh, Argentina, Argentina, <laughs> they were from Argentina and Italy, I think. Right. And one of the bands before you, I think Sweet Banana, is that a band? Yeah. That, that one. Um, they were doing a shoey. Um, just a classic <laughs> show. And it was really early in the night. It was like probably like seven o'clock. It was, yeah, they were on yeah. at seven, yeah. <laughs> and they kind of just, one of them leans over and goes, why does he drink from a shoe? Oh, my and God. It's, it's such an, just such an Australian <laughs> thing to do. Yeah, how do you even explain that to someone? You don't know. Yeah, it's just it's a like, thing that I, happens. I, you don't I, question it. I had no answer for him. Yeah. Uh, it's just like. It's just something we do here. Yeah, yeah. So, I've uh, actually never done a shoey in my life. No, me neither. But, you know, 
We're still in our youth. We've got a long way ahead of us. Plenty more shoeys to experience. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> do you think you'd ever do a shoey? What are, what are the chances at the moment? I mean, at the moment, I would definitely do one if it meant being out in a social situation, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I'd do 10 shoeys if it meant that I could safely go out to a gig. <laughs> that's it. I suppose it depends on the shoe as well. True, true. Um, maybe a brand new shoe. But yeah, but then you'd be ruining the shoe, so it's mm. kind of like a double-edged sword. <laughs> Damn, so many things. It's uh, just do it. Don't, don't think too hard about it. Yeah, no, We're thinking it'll, way it'll too go. hard about it. It'll happen. Shoe. It'll happen. <laughs> it, if, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Exactly. So since we're talking about live shows, um, you, I've seen you maybe two or three times now. Yeah. Um, and it's a very good live show, by the way. Thank you. But how long, because I think, I'm trying to remember, maybe there's been a couple of slight lineup changes that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but how long does it take you to put together a show? Um, like for me, a show, I always want it to be, so much fun Mm -hmm. for all the artists and the audience involved. So it does take quite a bit of planning, you know, like making sure that the lineup is cohesive, um, sorting out venues and that kind of thing. Um, And then, you know, creating the Facebook page, getting posters made up, everything. It's quite a big ordeal. And I don't think many people really realise how much hard work goes into gigs and planning them but Mm. I do like to be in control I'm quite a perfectionist and I like to I love planning so I do love planning everything myself no for sure it's something yeah like you said a lot not a lot of people realize that especially as kind of a small independent musician so much of the time is just in admin Oh, 100%. So much is like you're on your phone or your laptop, just like emailing, doing stuff. Like I think maybe 10% of my time is actually playing music and it's just like, (laughs) yeah, it's like, when will I get to play it? It's just something I feel people maybe don't know. So yeah, for sure. For sure. People know now. Yeah. Actually something with the live shows that I've seen, you often... I don't know if it's something you still do at your live shows. It's been maybe a year since I've seen you play. (laughs) But um, you'll throw one or two covers in and it's always just like such a throwback for me, like songs that I haven't heard in like 10 years or something. Yeah. It's like, yes, this is is what it's about. Yeah, I love a good throwback. Like, you know, you you hear a song and you're like, I don't know how I know these lyrics, but I know every single one of these words. Like, they're the best. Yeah, for sure. I don't, yeah, like 20 Good Reasons or something like that. I think yeah. you played that before. Yeah, we covered like, that. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I've actually, I can't remember one time where I've actually listened to the song. <laughs> it's like, of course I know the words. But you know it, yeah. yeah. It's like ingrained into our DNA or something. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so a lot of the songs you play, um, there's, of course, extra songs because you can't just go out on the, the same five songs, but they're from your debut, debut EP, um, Consistently Inconsistent, which um great name, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> so 
so that was released maybe back in March or April? It was released in February, actually. February. Just before all this craziness. Yeah, that's right. Very good EP. Um, I would recommend it to anyone who likes music. That's a, <laughs> it's a very wide category. Maybe not everyone, I don't know. We're into <laughs> like you. only hardcore rap, maybe. Maybe this isn't the EP for you, but try it out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Before I heard heard your um your EP, I was only into hardcore rap, and <laughs> now I now I listen yeah. to look. Um, you opened your world up. Yeah, I listened to Tupac and Tiani. <laughs> Beautiful Those alliteration. The, I love the it. The two T's in my yeah. <laughs> music catalog. So it's got five tracks on there. If I'm yeah. correct. Um. So. Were they all kind of recorded together? Yeah, they were. They were all recorded with Fletcher Matthews in his home studio in Cremorne. And then we did the drums at Yap Yap Studios in Coogee. Obviously you did the studio thing for the, or the big studio thing for the drums. But have you ever done a full song in a big studio? No, I'm yet to do that, but... Um, the next release shall be recorded in quite an amazing studio. Yeah. Very nice. Is there something you like about doing the home recording kind of thing, even though it's someone else's home studio? Yeah, I really like the relaxed vibe um, and it feels, um, yeah, like more, more inspiring and just I think when someone feels comfortable, like you're willing to try new things. Yeah. So I lo- I love the home studio, like, you know, rock up in my trackies and just sitting on the couch having a cup of tea while listening to Fletcher, like, um, mix it all. Uh, it was great. It was such an amazing experience. And I can't, I cannot wait to be recording again, seriously. Is it uh, with Fletcher again? No, actually. Um, my next release will be produced by Jackson Barclay who has done Maddie Jane's recent album. So I am like bloody so stoked with that. I'm very excited. Very cool. Um, yeah. Excited to, excited. Is that going to be recording a new EP or just a single? Um, to be continued, to right. be continued. <laughs> but I do have, I do have like a bunch of songs ready to go. So I'm very excited. Hello again. I hope you're all enjoying the conversation so far. I just wanted to stop it for a moment to let you know you can check out Tiani's music on Spotify, Apple Music and a bunch of other streaming services. And also you can follow her on Instagram and Facebook or the details in the description of this episode. And if you'd like to keep up to date with Life on Music, you can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram I post a couple of videos for each episode, so if you'd like to see a little video from each episode, you can head there and check that out. All the details in the description of this episode, or you can also subscribe wherever you're listening right now. But let's jump back into the conversation with Tiani. And so back to the back to consistently inconsistent, and um, you mentioned you worked with Fletcher on this one. Yeah. Um, how did you guys get together? Yeah, so 
Fletcher has produced heaps of incredible bands. One in particular that I really like is Clues. Uh-huh. So we've actually got some mutual friends. So um, I got my friend Sarah to message the girls from Clues and find out who produced the EP and it was Fletcher and they yeah. highly recommended him. So I just got in touch with him and that's how it all came about. And what kind of things did you learn from him being someone who's, I guess, quite experienced? Um, was there anything in particular you learn about recording from him? Yeah, I guess just like the whole process was completely new to me and just the fact that there's so much behind a track that you might not initially recognise or hear. Like in my tracks, the harmonies are quite subtle. We wanted them to be very subtle, but I've got like at least two harmonies on each track. Like there's my melody and then two harmonies um, throughout the track kind of thing. And some of them have like five five different melodies going at once and, you know, having some acoustic guitar in there, having some tambourine. Like there's just so many layers in each single that you don't get to see live, but it's Mm -hmm. incredible like what goes into each song. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those crazy things if, like you don't necessarily notice them while listening, but if they're gone, you kind of notice it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. With the songs on there, were they all kind of written in a certain period of time? Yeah, so I wrote all the songs after moving to Sydney and within my first year of living here. This is uh, maybe an evil question, but do you have a, <laughs> have a favourite from the EP? Um, no. No. <laughs> I mean, I... I feel like I'm fine is the track that people have loved the most. Mm-hmm. Um, like it got picked up by some Spotify editorial playlists and Triple J really loved the song and got around it. So that's been really cool to see because that track is the most personal. Right. Like it's completely my life story. Every single lyric in that song is true. Right. So that's pretty awesome to see that people like honesty and they like vulnerability. So, Yeah, for sure. Was it something that was unexpected? Yeah, for sure. Like I, I kind of thought everyone would get around like the heavier kind of tracks. So, yeah, that was really cool to see. When you go, that was your, if I'm correct, that was your first single? It was, yeah. Was that um, something you, was that a hard decision picking the first single? Very, very hard decision. Um, and the reason that I chose When You Go was because I really wanted to establish myself as a rock artist. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely a lot of stereotyping in the world. Um, especially in the music industry Um, and sadly like still quite a bit of sexism. So because of my look, a lot of people just assume that I'm a pop artist. So I kind of needed that song to just be like, this is who I am. (laughs) Like this is heavier. And, you know, it's, it's weird because a lot of people 
like when they see my shows, I'll be like, oh, I, I didn't think you'd sing like that or right. write songs like that. And it's like, but why? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> so, yeah, I really wanted a song that was just like, bam, welcome to Tiani. In your face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I could show my more vulnerable um, and reflective side after having established that strength. Um, so you mentioned with a little earlier, you mentioned with um, I'm Fine that that was so far as your more popular song out of the collection. Yeah. Was there anything about the song that you think people kind of caught on to or is it just like no, you have no idea, it's just kind of how it turned out? I think... Uh, the subject behind the song and the story itself is something that everyone can relate to because, right. you know, everyone or at least most people do eventually move out of home. Uh-huh. And it's a song that if it's not about moving out of home, it can just be about, you know, moving somewhere or doing something new, being somewhere where you're not used to and you don't feel completely comfortable and just pretending you're okay when you're really not and you really miss that familiarity. So I think people are really relating to the meaning behind the song. I could say definitely a very good song, but it is. But <laughs> I, could, I could just say that about all the songs in the EP. Oh, thank and you. It's like kind of like yeah, it's always interesting to me why a song is more, I guess, more picked up by listeners than other songs. Yeah, for sure. It always seems a bit random. Yeah, and it's kind of like once that song has been chosen and then once people decided that I'm fine, I think for me it was actually Triple J kind of kicked everything off. Right. Like the night that it got played on Triple J was um, amazing, like one of my big dreams uh, came true. So, And then from that, you know, everyone listening in their cars or chilling at home listening to the radio, that was thousands of people that have never heard of this Tiani girl you know so yeah yeah, and that's kind of I I feel like for myself like once you get hooked on a certain song of an artist and then you like look through their discography you're always going to remember that first song right okay it's always going to like have a special place for you no definitely that makes sense um you mentioned triple j you got the uh triple j tattoo yeah (laughs) that was a that was it was such a fun night like just had some mates over and listened to the song had some drinks had some pizzas and then went to king's cross got a tattoo (laughs) in um celebration and went to a strip club it was all kinds of crazy that night but it was so much fun (laughs) is the um tattoo a bit impromptu i I actually, like when I have previously emailed like Triple J, I've said, if you play me, I will get a tattoo. So I kind of felt like not that I caged myself in, but I definitely want to live up to my promises. Yeah, so. no, one, no one likes a liar. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I don't think anyone actually cared, but I cared yeah. about staying true to my words. So That's it. Yeah. So... With the EP, there's been a uh, a few music videos to to promote them, I guess. Yeah. Um, is 
are music videos something you enjoy making or is it just kind of part of the thing that you have to do? I love them. And, you know, I've loved acting my whole life. Right. And for me, I kind of had to choose whether I wanted to go down the route of musical theatre or singer-songwriter kind of path. And I didn't really feel like I could do both because they both take up so much energy and time. So I just wanted to commit to one and I chose like singer-songwriter. Um, and also because I'm not that good of a dancer. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, musical theatre, that's like one third of it. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I bloody love making a music video, like creating the whole concept, um, working with a team and getting to act. It's, it's incredible. I love it. Have you got a favorite music video that you, you made? Each of them have been so different. Like when you go was my first music video and that was awesome because, um, it was set in my grandma's house back home in Canberra and I worked with, um, Chris Walsh, he was the director of cinematography and he's incredible. We went to school together and like, you know, my two best friends back home helped be creative directors and found this guy, Tony, shout out to Tony. He's the amazing actor in the video and just had the best weekend just like filming this video. And then please don't, I filmed with, um, Tasman Wilson who's in Ruby Fields' band and he does, yeah, once again, incredible work. And that was quite a different experience because it was, in a sense, more professional and we kind of got the whole video done in a much shorter time span, like six hours as opposed to over 12-hour, three days kind of thing. Uh, And then the latest music video is Maybe Tomorrow, And that's all fan made. So that was made in lockdown in, you know, social isolation. So fans from all around the world just sent in videos of themselves, like having fun to this song. And it was amazing. Like I got entries from everywhere, France, England, Scotland, America. I was overwhelmed with the entries for that. Yeah, it was a, definitely a cool music video, cool idea. Thank you. Um, was it was the idea just because you had to, just because it was so hard to actually do anything being in lockdown that you decided let's leave it to the fans? Um, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like, um, you know, I, I've kind of struggled a bit in this pandemic because I'm a massive extrovert. So right. I was really missing that fan interaction and social interactions in general at gigs. So this was just a way for me to connect with people and and do it in a way that everyone was still safe. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not promoting anything that would put anyone's health at risk. I would never, ever do that. And so this was a great way to kind of do something fun and really special and kind of something to at least have something positive to come out of this craziness were there any entries that stood out to you um oh that's a really hard question I had one entry from a little boy called Kahali and he is an amazing fan of mine who lives up oh I'm so bad with like geography but somewhere between like 
New South Wales and Queensland, like that border in the right. middle there. Um, and he sent in his video submission was himself in the shower playing a ukulele. And he sent in the whole song, like three and a half minutes of him having a shower, like fully clothed, just playing the ukulele, singing to this song. Um, and he sent me a message and he said that he interpreted maybe tomorrow as in having a shower because he thought that a shower represents washing away all of the troubles and problems of today and starting fresh and clean. And I thought that was so beautiful for like a young adolescent to send to me. Yeah, that's um, deeper than anything I've ever thought of in my life. I know. Yeah, it was very, very profound of him. So, yeah, shout out to his parents for raising him as such a beautiful kid. Yeah, good. Good job to them. Yeah. (laughs) Two-person round of applause. (laughs) You've mentioned a little bit that you're... You're working on new music and heading to the studio soon. Yeah. Um, are there any any songs that you have in your collection, kind of newer songs that are kind of front runners for either a new single or new EP or album tracks? Yeah. Um, I do have a few that I, I play in my live set actually, so you would have heard them, Jesse, mm-hmm. but they – they're not on consistently inconsistent. I wrote right. them after um, I did that group of work and I feel like they do belong in their own separate project too because it's kind of, um, I, I still have the same kind of sound but a bit different, a bit. These next songs are a, a little bit more vulnerable, I would say, Um and I would say more personal, but not really because consistently inconsistent was bloody personal. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know, all my songwriting is, but yeah, for sure. I've definitely got a few tracks like Under My Skin is a song that I play live but haven't released yet. And it's crazy because in these these times I've been doing live streams and having like random people like comment like, please play um, under my skin, please play under my skin. And I'm like, how do you know this song? <laughs> like it's not released yet. It's, it's really cool. So you've been doing a few live streams. I think I've caught one of them. Your yeah. most recent one, you're opening. It's kind of a weird weird thing people are doing where <laughs> they've still got openers, but yeah. you have an all-day opener. Um, yeah. but, um, is that something that you enjoy doing the live streams? Is it a bit strange for you um I would say it's very strange um for me like I love playing to a live audience and just really connecting with people Mm -hmm. and you know afterwards being able to like hop off the stage and like have a drink with people and chat to them and dance with them like not having that is really weird because it's like you're playing to a blank screen and so you're playing and you're like, you know, you're like getting up there on this other level, feeling really excited, feeling really happy. And then the live stream ends and you're like left up here and you're like, well, how, I don't know, maybe not everyone experiences this, but you know, it's such a thrill for me. Like performing music is a thrill and I'm up on this high and I'm like, how do I get down? Like I, I don't, I don't have anyone to kind of, 
vibe with and like my housemates are bloody awesome. I love them both because they've had to put up with this and like be my camera women through this. And especially my housemate, Lucy, like she's been recording everything for me um, for all these live streams and just like afterwards. Yeah, it's weird. We've got to put on some Taylor Swift and like have a dance and like just be active around the house for me to like (laughs) calm down. (laughs) I think um, I haven't ever done any kind of live stream, but I feel like the weird part would be between songs. It's like usually even if like an audience doesn't give a shit about what you're doing, there'll still be some kind of applause or something. Yes. And then it's just like complete silence. Yeah. It's definitely like you got to have self-confidence and just pretend you can hear it. Close your eyes and pretend. I assume everybody claps for me. Yeah. <laughs> I just live my life like that, to be honest. I assume yeah. somewhere, somewhere someone is applauding me right now. Yeah. For sure. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been great to like chat music. I really miss talking to people like gigs. So this has been really lovely. Thanks everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Tiani. If you wanted to check out Tiani's music, you can head to whatever streaming service you use. Or you can also buy her music and you should give her a follow on her socials. All the details in the description of this episode. You can also subscribe to Life on Music wherever you're listening right now. Or follow me on Facebook and Instagram as well where you can see a little more. Again, all the details in the description of this episode. But until next week, goodbye. Life on Music was brought to you by Be Groovy or Leave. Head to BeGroovyOrLeave.com to discover the best in new music.